0: This week we continue on our journey of talking about hope and family by talking about the way of hope. And I talk about one of my most beloved things to happen any Christmas time, which is a snow day. When there's enough snow that falls on the ground that they cancel school, there's also enough snow on the ground to cover all the old paths. And we talk about the way of hope which is really a summary of what the prophet Isaiah said back in chapter 40 of Isaiah and what John the Baptist repeats, which is the fact that God is creating a way that is flat. No hills, no valleys, no barriers, no big obstacles to climb over to know him. What a wonderful message that is for Christmas time. So I hope you enjoy. here. I still, it's still empty. I don't understand this. Okay, so for some of you who were not here, don't think that I'm lazy. Don't think uh, that for some reason this pastor has gone a little crazy. Um, it might be true that I've gone crazy, but the reason I'm sitting here like this is because we are family, and this, this season of Advent, we are going to be talking about hope, and we're talking about family. And we're holding those two very closely together. And so I wanted you to feel as if you were in my living room. So that's why I brought my, my favorite chair with me to church. So that it is my favorite chair. I don't like the big one. Uh, so so this, is, this is where it is. So imagine with me again. Uh, we watch a lot of Daniel Tiger with our children. And he always imagines stuff. I can't make my ears wiggle like he does in the cartoon. But imagine with me that we're in a living room. Sitting together, maybe a cozy fire. Well, as a, as a child, I, I always remember the most wonderful days. Those wonderful days where you wake up and you hear your school's name on the radio. <laughs> and you get this big grin on your face. And you say, Yes! I don't have to go to school today. I love that. I, I those days were amazing, and they were so precious to me. Not because it meant that we weren't going to school. I mean that was great. I, I love that aspect, but it meant that there is enough snow to cover all the old paths. Because minus a few fog delays or ice delays, which where I grew up, actually we had a lot of fog, Uh, so we actually sometimes had more school call-offs because of fog than snow, believe it or not, but when you have all the old paths, you have all those old trails that you've walked throughout the snow, especially because my grandparents' house was right next door to our house, so we walked that path constantly. Those paths, they get hard. They get treacherous because as you step in it, you crunch that snow. It gets compacted, and then over the night, it gets icier and harder. But when you have a snow day, that means enough snow has fallen that it's all filled in, that all those old paths are done away, and it's like a blank canvas waiting for new exploration. So that always excites me because I, I don't like the old paths. I, I don't like the, the old footsteps because they are so dangerous. They threaten to make you slip or fall. You, you have all the dips that if you step wrong, you're going to twist an ankle. And, and then you have the, the person in front of you who had walked about an inch too much for you to step into their footpaths. At least that's what Amy always yells at me for. I take about an inch, inch and a half too far stride for her. And so she's always half stepping in my footpath, half not. And then she gets snow in her shoes and she gets grumpy because her feet are cold. And I understand that. I, that's frustrating. And that's, and that's the, the, the most irritating part of following all these old paths. Dangerous and cold. I would much rather be able to walk in a path that has been made clean a path that is level and smooth, one that doesn't threaten to throw you off or make you slip and fall. And so it's wonderful. I love when there's enough snow to just start fresh. And in the same way, God has developed a way, a way of hope that does the same thing. It fills in all the dips. It makes all the bumps go away. And it's a nice, blank canvas. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about that way of hope that God has made for us. So... I want you to turn to Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 today, if you may. Now, the, the, the section that we're looking at begins with Luke identifying all the rulers, all the leaders of that day, and I know I'm going to butcher at least one or two of the names, so please forgive me, move on. Um, even a scholar as myself cannot always pronounce them, so just just take comfort in that. Um, but he, he names all these rulers, and he basically sets up all these people of power and just dis- distinguished abilities and he kind of pushes them off to the side and says yeah but these people don't matter because someone who is greater is coming and then he begins to talk about what John the Baptist is doing and what John quotes in this section is actually found in an earlier verse of the bible it's found in Isaiah chapter 40 so it's actually a repeat it's not even a fresh idea it's it's a recoding <laughs> of an old idea. And so that's what we're going to study today. So I ask that if you are able, that you may please stand for the reading of Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 today with me. It says, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis." And Lyoneus, ruler of Albany, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see see the salvation of God. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say thanks be to God. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, as we journey into your word today, as we look at what John the Baptist has said to us, as well as what your prophet Isaiah has said, I pray that you may speak to us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand this way of hope, this way that makes every hill low and every valley high. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Now, for better or for worse, the Israelites did not have much experience with that white stuff. Unless they climbed a really, really high mountain, their climate was a, a wee bit too hot for that to happen. Although, they did have to struggle with something different, something that we still are akin to, sand, right? We, we live close to the shore. Any of you been to the beach? Ever? Walked in sand? I, I make an annual trip up to Sleeping Bear Dunes to climb the gigantic hills. I would dare say that walking in snow is still more dangerous than walking in sand, although walking in sand is not easy by any means. But they didn't have that experience of snow. They, they experienced sand instead, and, and they've had a lot of experience with sand. Their history is made up of walking In sand whether it was from Egypt to the promised land from their home into captivity in Babylon or coming back to their home their entire history was made up of this idea of trudging a path through sand and so they know that it's difficult they know that there are some challenges to that yet there is one more path in the sand that they are called to walk. One more desert journey. One crying out in the wilderness. They have John the Baptist, not in the cities, not on the street corners, out in the desert, calling people to walk one last time through the difficult path of sand To hear a message. And this message that we hear from John is is not one that was common in that day. Now, for us to hear someone proclaim the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of your sins, that for us is very common. We teach that. We hear that. We know that. It's not strange to us. But for the Israelites, especially in this time, that was completely strange. Completely out of the ordinary. Because the only people, in their view, who needed to be baptized for redemption and forgiveness of sins were those pesky Gentiles. If they wanted to become a Jew, they had to go and be baptized. Otherwise, the Jews were okay. They did not need this. So to have one, such as John, proclaiming this baptism of repentance... It was different. It was a change in thought for all the people. And that's in part why he had so many come, making that difficult journey to see him, to hear about this baptism that even Jews needed. So he proclaims this this baptism, and this baptism of repentance, it is the critical cornerstone of this way of hope. It is what starts everything. It is what allows for everything else to take place when we discuss this idea of God's way of hope. So, unlike every other journey, unlike every path in the sand that they have traveled thus far, this one needed them to do something needed them to change a bit of who they were in order to make the journey worth it now the most miraculous thing happened when these people submitted to the baptism of repentance all the old paths made new just like when we have a nice giant snowstorm that fills in all the crevices, all the nooks and crannies, and, and covers it all the icy parts. This baptism of repentance covered in all the footprints, all the old paths that the people had traveled and made it new again for them so that they could travel with assurance. Because that's truly what happens. When we are able to walk on a fresh new path, I'll take that any single day because I know that I can step and I'm not going to slip. I know that I can step. I might get a little bit of snow in my boots, but not too much to cry about. It's much more when you slip and you fall on your back and your entire pants and shirt are covered in snow. That's when you begin to shed a few tears. But this, this assurance of, I know that I won't slip because this is nice, fresh snow, that makes that path that journey much, much easier. Now, can you imagine if the words that Isaiah spoke and the words that John repeats, could you imagine if they actually became true in our life? Every hill made low, every valley filled up, every crooked path made straight. Can you imagine that? Amy and I, (laughs) when we were into it, We loved walking downtown. It was a half mile from our apartment to downtown to it. And it was a nice walk. Except for the fact that you had two gigantic hills. You had to go down one hill. And then you hit where the river was. And then you had to go up another hill into town. And that made it a little bit more challenging. The One hill, you had to kind of lean back a bit. Because if you were walking straight, you felt like you were going to fall forward. And then you get just enough reprieve to walk back up a hill into town. And so by the time you make your way, you're kind of exhausted, and it's just a half-mile walk. Now, it's doable for most people. <coughs> it's doable for most people to, to walk that by themselves. <coughs> Excuse me. But my poor wife... She would walk that with her children, with our children. (coughs) Imagine about 20 pounds strapped to you, (coughs) excuse me, and another 20 pounds in a stroller, trying to push that up a hill. (laughs) It makes that journey a little bit harder. She was able to do it multiple times, I don't know why, (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me, but I bet you would have liked it a whole lot more if it was flat. But it would have been a whole lot easier if it was flat. And the funny thing is, it would have been a whole lot shorter of a distance if it was flat too. Because if you brought that valley up, you would cut out probably a quarter of that half, uh, you would cut off about a quarter of that half mile. So you would, you would have a shorter distance to travel. How amazing would that be? It would be so much nicer. Thank you, sir. (laughs) For the first one, right? So, now it's full. (laughs) Every hill made flat. Every valley filled up. Climbing the sleepy bear dunes would be much less thrilling, I can tell you that. But this is a promise of hope. Think of the comfort and the ease that is being spoken here when you faced hills or valleys, whether literal or figurative in your life. All the crooked paths, all the twists and turns that you don't know what's coming around the next corner— to have that be corrected think of the comfort and the ease that you can feel at that point this way of hope is all about leveling the field so that you can have a direct access to god and that's amazing The hope that is being displayed here really, truly does speak to the problem with human nature. Because we work, we toil, we have to do things the hard way because we kind of messed up. We kind of sinned a bit, and thus we had to be punished a bit for what we did. And and so we work and we toil and we labor and we have to fight those hills and those valleys and those twists and those turns and the dips and the slips. We have to figure out how to make it because what we've done the course of human nature when we seek our own will versus God's. I know that even I the the perfect baby of the family the, the, the one and only son, one who could do no wrong, has done many wrong things. <laughs> My sisters would attest to that <laughs> very, very readily. And we have to work against all these hills and these valleys. But what God is trying to do here, because he, he wants more for his creation. He wants more for his, his beloved creation. He doesn't want to see them work and toil and labor and suffer. That's not his will. He wants to see us have more. He wants to be able to join with us in more. And so he's created this way of hope that makes it easier for us to reach Him. That is all predicated on what John the Baptist taught and what Jesus fulfilled in his life. The repentance of sin. Now, don't think that I've forgotten about the family aspect because that's obviously why you're all here in my living room is because of the family aspect. We mess up. As a family, we mess up. And, and the thing is, is that we don't have all of our family members here today. There are still many who have yet to come. Still many who are still out there trying to find their way. I don't know why it is. I don't know why we do it. But for some reason, we have the nasty habit of making it more difficult than what it should be. As Christians, as family members, we make it more difficult for our family members to come to know who God is. And I don't know why we do it. God made it very simple seek the repentance of sins through baptism and belief in christ and i will make the way straight i'll make it level i'll give you a blank canvas so you don't have to worry about trying to figure it all out so you don't have to worry about all the missteps and potholes that you've had in your previous life no we we for some reason dig new valleys we for some reason pile up new hills we take the straight pass and we kind of make them crooked and we say oh well uh, try to figure it out you know this is what i had to go through so make it make it work better why are we doing that to our family members why are we doing that to people who desperately are looking for something because if you looked out into the world you know that they are hungry they are looking they are desperate they're tripping over themselves to find a way that makes sense, to find a path that leads to the comfort and ease that God is freely saying, here, you may have. I don't know why we do it. So I'm going to ask each of you today to examine yourselves. Have I built up hills? Have I dug another valley? Have I twisted a straight path? To Christ for someone if so correct it because we can either choose to do harm to make the path harder or we can choose to help people find this straight path to God and I'll help you with that choice help someone find that hope help someone understand this way of hope that doesn't include hills and valleys, doesn't include all the twists and turns and potholes. You're doing God no good, and you're doing your family no good to make it harder to become a part of the family. No one wins in that situation. But everyone wins when another person can find that way of hope. So what better gift can we give this season? What better way we can celebrate the coming of the Messiah than to help others find this way of hope, to help others find that there is a path that leads to God and it doesn't have a high mountain, doesn't have a low valley, it doesn't have a twist or a turn that they have to somehow get to. As some old timers might say, uh, we aren't going to make them walk uphill both ways in the snow to get to school. Right? Have you you heard? No? Nothing? I've always been told that. Back in the day, they had to walk uphill both ways. I never understood that. Uh, But let's not make it that difficult for people. Let's not put that obstacle in front of them. Let's share this way of hope. This way that is filled with ease and comfort so that they can find who God is. So they can discover a family who loves them. A family who stands and, and protects their own. That holds each other up when we're struggling. Well, I don't know about you, but I like walking in nice, smooth paths. I like not having to struggle watching my step, trying to figure out the way. Be the way of hope for someone this season. Can we do that? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you We thank you for your words of promise, your words of hope that there is a path. It is not hard. You've made it so easy to come to be with you. Thank you for that. And I pray that as a family, we might help others discover this same path that we might not build up hills and valleys and, and, and make all these obstacles for them to come to you, but may we make that path smooth for them. May we remove all the hazards that trip them up. Lord, help us to walk in this path, this way of hope this season, knowing that you have us, knowing that you are with us, that your messenger has come to give us such hope. And as we now prepare to go enjoy a wonderful meal together as a family, I, I pray that you bless all those who have prepared the food and all those who are continuously working in the kitchen. Bless them, Father, and help bless our fellowship as we join together to talk and to laugh, maybe even to share some burdens in our lives. We thank you, Father, for all these things. Out of the embrace of mercy and righteousness, you have brought forth joy and dignity for your people. O Holy One of Israel, remember how your ancient promise—remember now your ancient promise. Make straight the paths that lead to you, and make smooth the rough ways— that in our day we might bring forth your compassion for all humanity. Amen. I now send you into your community to make Christ-like disciples right after you enjoy a good meal. Go. God bless.